Welcome back to this Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Apple's big move and baseball introduces robo-umps. But first, Ricky Renuncia. Yesterday, approximately half a million people took to the streets in San Juan, Puerto Rico, some even traveling there from the U.S. mainland, all demanding the resignation of Governor Ricardo Roseo. It might be the largest ever protest on the island and follows the publication of a series of leaked chat logs in which Roseo and male members of his staff engaged in sexism and homophobia and had comments that even made light of those who died in Hurricane Maria. For example, while talking about the overcrowding of morgues following the storm, Roseo joked, quote, now that we're on the subject, don't we have some cadavers to feed our cows? Yeah, seriously. Moreover, just days before the logs were leaked, the FBI had arrested two officials from Roseo's administration for allegedly mishandling government contracts worth millions of dollars. Now, Puerto Rico is an island where nearly half of its 3.2 million inhabitants live in poverty due to decades of mismanagement, corruption, and natural disaster. It is, to many, a failed colonial experiment that no one seems able to fix, and the protests are an expression of the extraordinary frustration that the people on the ground there feel. Now, no one is quite sure if the next governor would do any better, but clearly Roseo has lost the support of his people, let alone of his political allies but he's refusing to step down, yesterday reiterating that position in a contentious interview with Fox News' Shepard Smith, arguing that his apology and pledge to not run for re-election should be enough. But clearly it's not. And so long as he remains in office, the tensions will only mount. It's an American political crisis, even though the island itself has no legislative voice in Washington, D.C. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with New York Times reporter Francis Robles. But first, this. Ping pong tables, kombucha on tap, and open floor office plans are nice, but your startup will need more to succeed. With Silicon Valley Bank, you'll get a banking and financial partner with more than 35 years of experience helping founders move their bold ideas forward faster. Silicon Valley Bank, ideas, bank here. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. We're joined now by Francis Robles, a Miami-based correspondent with the New York Times who today is in San Juan, Puerto Rico. There were obviously these massive protests yesterday. The governor, though, was still steadfast in that Fox News interview that he's not going anywhere. So first question, what is the protesters' next move? That's a really good question. And I'm not sure that even they know that because it feels like on Sunday when he announced that he will not seek re-election, it almost felt like a challenge to the protesters. Like, well, I'm staying put. So putting them in a position of feeling that now they need to up the ante, like, oh, okay, you didn't think that you got our message? Then now what do we have to do next? So that's the big, big question. From a political standpoint, and I mean from a kind of a political process standpoint in Puerto Rico, could he be forced out? And if so, how would that work? Oh, absolutely. He's going to be impeached. If he does not resign, his own party is going to throw him overboard. The only thing that has delayed that is the fact it's an incredible series of events here. Is The second in line for the governorship is the Secretary of State, and there is no Secretary of State because that person had to resign over the chat. So it's like, just to give you an example, if, let's say, Trump and Mike Pence were to both have to leave office 
and then Nancy Pelosi is next in line, and there's no way that she's going to get past the Senate and be confirmed, no matter what the Constitution says, that's the situation that you have in Puerto Rico. The person who's third in line is a person who's kind of arch enemies with the leader of the Puerto Rican Senate. So what you're seeing now is a uh, probably a bunch of people in a dark room somewhere with the blinds pulled trying to figure out who's going to be the next Secretary of State. And when they name that person, when that person is confirmed, then you're going to see the impeachment process begin. So I think I'm guessing that that's the reason the governor has not named the Secretary of State, because he knows that as soon as he does, his days are numbered. Francis, from your reporting, how much of the anger, Orzeo, is specifically about the chat messages versus kind of broader anger and the chat messages were kind of a release valve for it? I said in the in the paper today, there's all kinds of cliches that you can use, right? You know, tip of the iceberg, the drop that overflowed the glass, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, so I don't know, you figure 15% of it, you know, just the thing that caused the eruption is the chat. It's an indignation of, you know, when you hear people say over and over again, is what you always thought that the political you know, class was saying behind your back revealed, you know, they've been unmasked and people are like, you know what, we're done with being treated with such disrespect. Oh, and by the way, this many jobs were eliminated. This many pensions were eliminated. This many schools were closed. This many people died in the hurricane. This many houses were lost that still haven't been rebuilt. And so people have just had enough of a long series of problems that one after the other after the other. Is there any reason or, or do you get the sense that the protesters believe, I mean, you mentioned kind of this power vacuum if he steps down or this complicated process for replacing him, given the current dynamics. Do the protesters, and I'm asking you to generalize here, feel that if Roseo steps down, that the next person actually would be better? Because it's not like Puerto Rico's you know, been having economic problems just for a couple of years. They obviously well predate him. You know, that's a very good point. If they were to pick some of the same old, same old type crony party figures, I think that person is going to have a hard time governing. This is becoming, well, it's ostensibly about Ricardo Rosselló. It's behind it is a broader problem about the fundamental party politics, the structure here. People want to start over. You know, they want new faces. They want new parties. They want new rules. Whoever starts over ends up with the same, you know, massive debt and the same massive problems, right? I mean, they basically start at the bottom of a hole, correct? Right. But you don't have to steal the money, right? You don't have to give all the contracts to your friends. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for leaders who are going to be looking out for the public and not for themselves and their friends. Finally, what's the one thing from your perspective that the average person stateside maybe doesn't understand about kind of the broader situation in Puerto Rico that's important for them to understand? Maybe this is too far into the weeds, but one thing that I think is confusing to people is the party structure here. Everything in Puerto Rico boils down politically to two political parties, and it's not Republican and Democrat. It's statehood or the popular party, which wants kind of an enhanced version of what they have now. And so you have a tricky situation. So let's say the governor. The governor is in the New Progressive Party, and his party is throwing him overboard. 
But a lot of the people in his party are Republicans, and the governor is a Democrat. So you have a lot of different complicated issues within the party structure, which is another reason why everybody wants to just throw it overboard and start over. Thank you so much to Frances Robles of The New York Times. Be sure to check out her piece in today's paper. My final two, right after this. Have a great idea for a startup? Silicon Valley Bank wants to help you make it a reality. With more than 35 years of experience, they understand the challenges of the startup journey and have created banking and financial solutions to help founders every step of the way. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Apple, with the Wall Street Journal reporting the company is in advanced talks to buy Intel's smartphone modem chip business for around a billion dollars. Now, why it matters is that this is Apple seeking to control even more of its own supply chain. And in the business world, it's also a bit of a surprise. You might recall that we did a whole episode recently on Apple settling its long-running patent dispute with Qualcomm, including a multi-year agreement whereby Apple would buy modem chips from Qualcomm. It was such a dagger to Intel, long an Apple partner, that Intel then announced it would just stop, completely stop development of 5G cellular modem chips. Now though, Apple looks like it might've been using Qualcomm as just a temporary stopgap with plans to make its own chips in the future. Not surprisingly, Qualcomm shares are way down. And finally, an independent baseball league called the Atlantic League has decided to let computers call balls and strikes, not umpires. They first tried it at their All-Star game recently and now plan to expand it league-wide. So basically, the human ump stands behind home plate with an earpiece, which is connected to an iPhone in his pocket. That phone is connected to a computerized system that uses Doppler radar to determine pitch location. Once the computer relays the call to the phone, the ump then shouts it out to the batter and the pitcher. The bottom line here, if this speeds up the game, then let the machine replace the man. Baseball with falling attendance and TV viewership is in desperate need to move things along, even if some of the human element gets lost in the process. And we're done. We're also celebrating the one-year anniversary of this show, so big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Vanilla Ice Cream Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.